Welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defects Podcast. My name is Winter, I'm a comedian, and this is my show. Those that are new to the show, welcome. Those that are old to the show, thanks for coming back again, guys. This is a winter episode, and the fact that it's not a pun, we're in midwinter, deep midwinter. And uh, this is episode 104 with an excellent Midlands comedian. He's been touring his show, Literally the Joke, for a while now. And he's an, a brilliant comedian. He's on Twitter as Craig Ito. It is, of course, Craig Dealey. He opened up the show in Hemel Hempstead in a gig I run called the Fisheries Wharf Cafe. And he was so likable, so warm, high energy. He just set the night up for everybody. It was just such an easy gig to play after that because they trusted the night. And, of course, I MC it too. But he is an absolutely excellent comedian, so you go and check him out. If you ever see him on a bill, you will not be disappointed. Now you can follow him, as I say, on Twitter. He's there as Craig Ito. He has his own YouTube channel. And I'm not going to talk anymore because we talk about all that he's about in this episode. But if you like this podcast and you want to follow us, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're, uh, we have our own Patreon. If you go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast. You can donate as little or as much as you feel this podcast is worth. But if you can't donate, that's okay. Just tell your friends about your favorite episode because it tells people where we are and what we're up to. I'm on Instagram myself as at Winter Dominus. I have my own YouTube channel and the Comedy Defect has its own page and YouTube channel as well. If you want to go and find those places, go like them, share them. Do we need to? And that's it for the plug for all that stuff. But this is an excellent episode with a wonderful comedian that he is. It is Craig Dealey. Enjoy. Craig Dealey, welcome to the Comedy Defect. How are you doing? I'm all right. I've just come back from doing a big shop, which is like highlight <laughs> at the moment. And like, where was the, what? What uh, shop are you just generally, generally uh, haunt? Uh, well, there's a massive Tesco near where I live, so and it's quite empty at the moment. So I've nice. got a little browse around there. Yeah, that's the life now, isn't it? Really, you just become like a, an old person doddering around. Just need one of those little wheelie uh, carrier bag things now. I'm living my best life. <laughs> and are you what, what have you managed to do to kind of like ease the uh, the mental breakdown have you managed to like if you start I've, I've talked to a few people some people start cooking uh, I personally organize what do you do at the beginning I did baking all right um, I jumped on the baking bandwagon the big nice. flour lorry I jumped on that yeah uh, but I don't I don't really eat sweet things so I was baking biscuits and scones and things like that for my partner and family and just yeah. giving them away basically nice. i mean they were amazing but i didn't really eat them uh -huh. and then i started doing little videos and then yeah. i started doing a podcast and, and also i'd started doing a bit of online part-time teaching as well during the day okay uh, what were you teaching i teach languages right french and german oh cool need some cash coming in so yeah for sure man and like to, do, fund, do you, to fund my tesco habit <laughs> yes it's true yeah this is it i mean it's weird isn't it? food and, and drink is very very addictive it's, it's so hard to like you know break the cycle um yeah, I know. <laughs> like with the uh, french and german so you you've yeah. you've traveled have you traveled doing french and german gigs as well i have done a gig in french yeah two years ago well maybe three years ago i don't know time has lost all meaning now. yeah but a while ago let's say that Talking to my good friend Celia AB. Have you heard of She's a mm -hmm. French yep. stand up. She lives yep. in Birmingham. She's from Paris. And we were just chatting, and she was doing one in London. Uh, it's run by a lady called uh, Ariel Souma. And she used to run a, a, a once a month French language 
stand-up comedy night yeah. and she said um, contact her and she might be able to get you on so great i did and she got me on and it was just like a 10 minute um sort of tryout spot really nice but i absolutely loved it i was really scared because yeah. i I speak French you know, fluently, mm. but I'd never done stand-up in French, obviously. Wow. So it was a matter of going through my jokes, seeing what could be translated, yeah. what would work in French, and then the stuff that wasn't making it work. Yeah. And uh, I absolutely loved it. Right. And the then, challenge. Uh, unfortunately, th that night didn't carry on oh. for various reasons, including you know, lockdown, obviously. But, um, and Brexit. Yeah, uh, I've done that. <laughs> so I'd like to do yeah, Brexit as well. Um, so I'd like to do more of that. Wow. That's like, so, okay, for example, I mean, I, I had a French girlfriend for a while and I found that when she'd tell me a joke, I was like, okay, I, don't, I really, I love Galad Amelie, is it? Um, but uh, but he's very physical, very physical comedian. But like the, uh, yeah. what is the major difference, would you say then? I know this, this is like, it's a huge subject, but what is the, the main thing that you can like say, right, French humour is like this, English humour is like this? It's very, from what I, I've seen, uh, it's very story-based mm. it's very physical there's a lot yeah. of voices there's yeah. lots of they incorporate a lot of characters into the stand-up lots of it's quite almost like i don't want to say slapstick but there's a lot yeah. of physical activity involved i mean i've seen some french stand-ups doing like puns and one-liners um, i mean i've tried to do that but it's uh it's really hard unless yeah. you're a native speaker i think it's really hard but uh, yeah i would say um it's more story-based and mm. more facts rather than punchlines it's like this happened and here's a funny thing that happened rather than oh you know this man went to the doctors and said blah 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 yeah. here's a punchline it's more like stories this happened and this is the funny thing that happened because of it great i i, I love i love french stand-up my favorite i can't remember her name now but she's a, a female uh, comic she's mm. called florence fiori i think she's called right. but um yeah she's great there's loads of clips on her uh, on youtube of her okay was it like I was introduced to Galad and I was like, oh my god, that's amazing! And I, I heard some stuff then later on that he'd um, uh, tea leafed a few uh, bits from various other people along the way. But you know, hey, that happens along, uh, I guess, sometimes. But you know, you know if it's true or not. But hey, that's it. But so, um, have you done in any German gigs? I haven't. No, um, that's something I would also like to do. My, my French is better than my German, right? Because I, I, I've used it more and I, I had a French partner for about six years. So oh, we used right. to speak pretty much 50-50 French and English. So yeah. my French was just better because I used it more. Yeah. Uh, German, again, German stand-up is also very, very slapsticky. Yeah. Because of the way that German is constructed, mm. um, I don't know if you know, but yeah. often you have to wait to the end of the sentence to work to understand what That's the verb right. is. So sometimes yeah. you have to wait really quite a long time to get to the end of the sentence <laughs> and you think, oh, that's the verb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's funny. Right. So that's why they tend to tell stories and do more physical humour. I think I'm not an expert, but yeah, from what I've seen, a wonderful yeah. way to like you know well, um, I, I, sneak the joke though, like just like lead them down the path, and then finally at the end, like it's just a, a pull back and reveal, isn't it? Really, a really long one. Yeah, or, or yeah, or just walk off before the, the last <laughs> verb in the sentence. Yeah, great. <laughs> so you've been uh, you. I didn't know this. You were like semi finalist for so you think you're funny. Yeah, that was when I first started. That was like wow. 2004, I think, something like that. Um, and I hadn't, I'd been going about a year and I just entered lots of competitions that were just not appropriate for me. Right. And I didn't get very far with a lot of them. But with that one, yeah, I got through to the semi-final in Edinburgh. Wow. And my heat was won by Zoe Lyons. Oh. 
Um, I, I don't know if you heard of her, but she, <laughs> she's on telly. So, <laughs> Where is she now? Yeah. She's done all right out of it, I suppose. Yeah. But um, no, she's great. So she's amazing. And um, I knew on that night that she she nailed it. Mm. it brilliant. I'm not making excuses, but there are a lot of Edinburgh audiences often are made up a lot of people who are there just for the festival, not because they particularly like comedy or yeah. they don't often speak English as a first language. Mm. And a lot of my jokes at that time based, were based on a lot of, sort of pun-ish puns, which, you know, some of them just didn't quite work. But, you know, Zoe was the better comedian on the night. She was amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that was one of my highlights. That's still great, though. Because I'd, I'd only just started out. I'd That's only just started out. And brilliant. I can't remember what the venue was, but it was yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah. First time at the Edinburgh Festival, and it was amazing. Semi finalists though, and like we just starting out, amazing, brilliant. Yeah. What a boost, shot in the arm, you know. It was, yeah, it was. When it was your first gig, then. So my first actual gig mm. was probably about six months before that. I entered that competition. I did a comedy course in Birmingham, which was uh, run by and taught by um, two comedians, James Cook, yeah. who is really good yeah. uh, local Birmingham comedian yeah. and Janice Connolly who right. is Mrs. Barbara Nice oh yes yeah who, brilliant um, she's incredible she's mm. an incredible comedian she's a le- comedy legend mm. <clears throat> so they taught this course and I saw it advertised and I'd always sort of written stuff and mm. I'd always I'd done acting I performed yeah. and I used to have my own sort of radio show when I was at university and I used to write stuff for that and I, yeah. I'd never considered doing stand-up before really I thought I'll, I'll go along and see what happens see what yeah. it's like what do they teach you and I just loved it and the end of the course after weeks we had to do a, a public stand-up gig for, mm. for the uh, you know in the, in the theatre of the art centre where it was yeah and I thought well if it goes well I'll start booking myself some open spots right and uh, it did it went really really well and I just started traveling all over the place doing five minutes here and there you know traveling three yeah. hours up the motorway <laughs> yeah to do five minutes yeah, so it was probably 2004, I think, something like that. Do you remember January? the date of your first, first gig? Do you remember the date of the exact date? you remember your birthday of uh, comedy? I, I can't remember the actual date, yeah. but I found uh, my old diary upstairs, my comedy diary, Great. and it's in it's in there, yeah. along with some feedback I've printed out from James, who organised the course. Oh, he sent, emailed me feedback, which was lovely. Oh, that's nice, man. It's nice to have these little artefacts, yeah. isn't it, to kind of like you know, look at back in like little drawers. Oh, well, look at this. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And when you look back at your notes as well, because mm. I keep some of my old notes, I think yeah. oh, that was actually that was quite funny. Why did I get rid of that? Mm-hmm. But then you have to get rid of you have to get rid of jokes as the years. That's true. That's true. Your style changes and tastes change. So yeah, very true. So I don't do racist gags anymore. So you know, cause it's out of favour now. So. <laughs> That's fine, man. Yeah, you don't do the Jim Davidson circuit anymore. That's good. So exactly. with with your radio show, what what was your radio show called? It was just called the Tea Time Show. Craig did right. his Tea Time Show, I think, and it was like yeah. six or seven on a Monday evening and it was broadcast to the halls of residence yeah. and it must have had ooh, twos of listeners, you know, <laughs> yeah. tuning in. but it was just great because I got to play all my own music and then I just started writing little sketches and mm. getting me and um, it was mainly me performing them. But also I do like a, like a top tips, um, sort of based on Viz really, top yeah. tips section and a agony aunt section and a just stupid adverts yeah. as well, fake Great. adverts and things like that. Great, yeah. just just letting your like creative uh, flow just kind of come out into like your whole show. So like, oh, I'll put this in as well to see if that works. You know, that's brilliant, man. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. do you yeah, remember yeah. like your uh, the first joke you ever wrote? I mean, because you were doing it already there, it's gonna be hard to pin down. But if you could remember that one, no, is the answer <laughs> um, because I don't, I don't, I don't always. I don't know. I always. Um, I mean, 
I remember we used to, uh, me and my friend at school, because we, we weren't really the cool kids. Right. There was lots of little cliques at school, and I was never part of any of the cool cliques. Yeah. But I used to hover between them, and me yeah. and my friend used to just make each other laugh so much. Yeah. And that sort of caught on with other people in the, in the other groups. So we'd sort yeah. of flip between groups, really, trying to be trying to be funny. Cool. Um, we thought we were hilarious, and we used yeah. to just, just make up um, comics and draw stupid pictures in our exercise books and and yeah just just little stupid sketches that you do when you're teenage nice. boys really thinking right. you are you know the new then the new smith and jones or yeah, you know yeah. the new morecambe and wise it's like a double act really um, at, at school it amused us yeah yeah and then uh, other you know some of our mates found it funny so yeah. i can't remember any exact jokes we wrote but it was all kind of mockery really it's spoof, yeah. spoofs yeah. used to do that and then we used to I went to quite a stuffy grammar school oh, right. um, and they used to have this school magazine that came out once a year yeah. and it was so boring and it was all yeah. about people's sporting achievements and it had a pretentious yeah. Latin slogan on the oh. title and uh, uh, on the front page. Do you remember what, what, is it, what, it, what was no it? Do you remember what it was? It, uh, I can't remember the, oh. the, the title. The, yeah. the, the magazine was called The Bridge. Right. But I can't remember the, I can't remember the, the Latin slogan. But yeah. um, we... Me and this friend and a few other friends, uh, yeah. one of whom is now a journalist at The Guardian, mm. um, oh. clubbed together and we, we did a spoof version of it. Great. On the, so we called it The Fridge instead yeah. of The Bridge. We called it The <laughs> Fridge because you know, we were just so you know, cool. on, on the point. <laughs> and, um, and then underneath we, we, we wrote uh, pretentious Latinus sloganus. Yeah. Oh man, we're just so... Uh, Edgy. <laughs> satirical. <laughs> um, and we just mocked every section of that school magazine. So we put really stupid sporting achievements. I remember in the in the original school magazine, somebody, there was a poetry page and kids had submitted poetry. And yeah. one of them, one of these kids had submitted the lyrics to Holding Back the Years by Simply Red. Oh my God. And claimed it as his own. Oh, yeah. And so obviously we let rip on that. So we just Brilliant. published a page of um, song lyrics with this kid's name. Nice. Um, and we just got into a lot of trauma. For the whole thing, and yeah. one of the teachers apparently uh, threatened to resign his post as the editor of this school magazine <laughs> unless we were stopped from publishing it or censored. So we did publish it, and we just got a black marker, and we just crossed out a couple of offending bits. Yeah. That's our compromise, but we still went ahead and did it, and he didn't resign. Yeah. But yeah, so that was one of my first forays into getting my humour into the public domain. That's funny, man. Like he was threatening to resign from a post that he wasn't employed for technically. He was just doing it That's, on yeah, the side. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I will resign yeah. my free post. And oh, wow. God, that exactly. he's really up yeah, the yeah. stakes and there. And then what will you do? Yeah. Yeah. We'll just get someone else to do it. <laughs> I'll just, I will just enjoy my evenings. And oh, okay, fine. Well, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And not to worry about idiots like these lot. Yeah. Lampooning you like, oh, that's great. I don't know about you, right? But when I went to school, I'd be like, um, have this uh before i go i kind of kind of rehearse some stories or like little funny things i thought of before i go like in my head you know before i meet all the rest of the crew like outside the school you know 10 minutes before you go in do you ever have that yeah 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 you do that as well i I do it now i still do it now i i rehearse (laughs) i kind of rehearse little i'm always my partner says you know you know you're talking to yourself don't (laughs) say yeah i do because i'm basically rehearsing little sketches or conversations in my head Mm. And sometimes I don't realise I'm doing it, and I say it out loud, and my mouth moves. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always done that. Yeah. I'm always thinking of new, either new jokes or new ideas for my podcast, or for little yeah. sketches or stuff to put on YouTube. Brilliant. So yeah, I'm all, always doing that. Yeah. 
That's and great. conversations. I'm, I rehearse conversations, just yeah. normal conversations. I rehearse them in my head. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're like, just be real. Be, I am, I am. This is, this is who I am. I can't. I, th- this is, this is the best version of me. I've practiced this already. <laughs> yeah, I practiced. I practiced, and then yeah. you know, I'll have a, a scratch card, please. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Oh, it's like, it's like the typical example of that. It's like, when, you know, maybe. Not all can, people can empathise to to that degree, but you know that one is where when you you're underage and you go for a, a try to get a drink and you're like okay can I have this? Yeah. But, but that's like that's just that, that they're high stakes. But you know, especially in when you're with your uh, your your you know your your friends, you've got to be the funny one. You're like right, oh, this has to be. I've got to nail this because otherwise they're going to take the piss out of me because I totally cool. fucked up the the last punchline, isn't it? That's it, man. Absolutely, yeah, Great. yeah, God, you you just brought back. Um, yeah, we used to go when we were like fifteen. This yeah. group of us used to go and drink in uh, Birmingham city center yeah. and uh, there was two of us were the oldest looking ones in the group so we were the yeah. ones that had to go to the bar and order the drinks and yeah. obviously when you're 15 yeah. you, we drank cider because it was sweet <laughs> oh. and tasted like apple juice so yeah. we'd be like um pint of, pint of cider please <laughs> so we'd be like dry dry or sweet bottle draft and we just go oh the ordinary yeah <laughs> yeah that's it like voice breaking at that moment yeah it's so funny yeah. it's yeah, so yeah, funny yeah. sweat it- dripping down your forehead no, oh, yeah, that's it. Oh man, so like, uh, like the, with the um, with your videos you're doing at the moment, what's the the theme? Are you just like different things, just random stuff, or uh, that was my original plan mm. uh, over the year? I, ha- I have a YouTube channel, and over right. I've had it for years and years, and I've put very little on there. I put some stuff that me and my friend Rachel Sandbrooks, another mm. stand up, did when we went after we came back from Edinburgh about mm, ten years, nine years ago, eight years ago, something like that. We were sharing a, a massive tent together and right. we were watching Carry On Films on mm. a computer one night. Right. And uh, this woman came and knocked on the, the tent door. You could see her face <laughs> through the plastic. And and she basically told us to keep the noise down. Right. And we could hear her husband in the background saying something. And we thought, he must have sent his wife out to go and tell her, us to keep yeah. it down. So we sort of developed these two characters called John and Margaret, who um, just go through the motions of being married. And we developed it into a couple of sketches and we put them on YouTube. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're still on there. Great. And then after that, I didn't really do much. And then when lockdown hit, I thought, I'll try, I'll revive my um, YouTube channel. And I filmed a sketch where I played this woman called Trish, who was on a, one of these family reunion shows, presented, gives her a letter from her long lost sister and says, she really wants to meet you. So she reads this letter and she's so excited. And she goes, oh, actually, there's a lot of grammar mistakes in this. Yeah. Um, I think I'll leave it. <laughs> and so... <laughs> That was the first sketch and I quite like this character, Trish. So I started doing more sketches and then introducing more characters. Mm. So I did one of her at work with her office mate, Sue, who's really lazy, uh, their boss who loves himself. So there's about eight, eight or nine Trish sketches on my YouTube channel now. And I really enjoy doing them, but because I play all the parts, brilliant! it takes all, it takes ages, takes all day to do it. And then I have to edit it, obviously, and make it look like, yeah. yeah, quite as professional as possible. Yeah, of course. You're editing it and you realise you forgot to put your green screen up or yeah. that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So I, I absolutely loved doing it. Um, it's time consuming, but it's a labour of love. And so I, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do it as a podcast. So now my okay. podcast that I've got out is called Trish of the Day. Trish and it's day. Trish yeah. talking to expert invited guests who mainly are her neighbours and friends cool. and Sue from the office yeah. talking about hot topics that you might see on a daytime tv show so you know like a psychic dog or nice. i married a ghost or <laughs> yeah. perfect funerals oh brilliant like random it can go anywhere as well that's brilliant she's yeah. just it yeah. is just the uh the the uh foundation or the, the the frame if you like is it 
great man basically yeah oh, yeah, yeah yeah but she's also she's i mean she i like her character because she's very honest she speaks her mind she's mm. not offensive she doesn't suffer fools gladly she she likes fair play but yeah. at the same time she'll speak her mind she thinks you're an idiot she'll tell you yeah great and she does especially to Sue from her office. That's wonderful. And you can not <laughs> hide behind the brunt of a lot of it. Oh, right. so, so Sue from the office is her nemesis, is it? She's her, her frenemy. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Just digs, constant digs at Sue. And Basically, yeah. So And it's great the fact she's a character as well. So, well, the character said it wasn't me. I didn't say anything. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But people have said that it's based on a lot of my personality as yeah. well. So sometimes my partner will say, uh, I'll say something. Can you say... That's not you talking. That's Trish. Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> right. So you've been. I saw like a, a great quote here from uh, BBC. He possesses that rarity in British stand-up, natural charm. BBC. Well, yeah. That's what happens when you write your own quotes, make them up. <laughs> say they're from the BBC. You say that's how charming I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's nice to hear. It's nice yeah. to hear. I just yeah, I do my best. I mean, I think I try and be myself, but I, I think I certainly with me you never truly yourself when mm. you're doing stand-up, even though you are yourself. It's kind of a slightly parallel version of your own character. Mm. So I, I'm a bit more, I don't know what the words, I'm, I'm a bit more, I'm more relaxed than I normally am, I think, mm. on stage. I'm a bit more open. I'm a bit more brummy. I'm yeah. a bit more, I don't know, I, I talk about, I talk about being gay, mm. but I, I, I'm a bit more camp than I would be in real life. I'm not saying I'm, I sort of mince about the stage, but I'm a, I would say I'm a bit more camp to a certain degree. Mm. So you're a slightly, slightly parallel version of yeah. your normal personality. As far as I'm concerned, I am, I definitely. And I think a lot of people are. Slightly exaggerated version, of course. Mm, it's like, you know, when, yeah. when you go, like it's even myself, so when I go up and uh, do a gig, my Irish accent comes out even more. And like, yeah. and then like, you know, also you just like a slight exaggeration. So they know where you are, who you are. That's it. It's quickly, isn't it? You're trying to get like, okay. Uh, it's honest as well, isn't mm. it? It's, I think you should be honest mm. with the audience so they know immediately what they're getting. So if I play up to my brummy accent, mm. which... It's quite strong. When I get back with my family and old friends, it, it comes straight back. Yeah. But the audience knows, you know, that you're being honest and you kind of play up to it and you you know how to be funnier in yeah. your, your natural accent than you yeah. would in another accent, I think, as well. So That's that right. helps. It, the physicality comes from it as well, isn't it? It's like, you know, the whole lot. So you, you've done, so you've done acting before as a, as a child, was it? Or... It was, uh, no, I did it. I mean, I did bits and bobs when I was little, you know, mm. school assemblies and stuff like that, which obviously I was a triumph in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I I started doing it at a, a, a theatre in Birmingham called the Crescent Theatre, which right. is a fantastic amateur theatre with professional facilities and professional mm. standard shows. So I started doing stuff there. So I, my first thing I did, it was a, it's a Christmas show called The Wassail, which is a mixture of, it's a choir, but they mm. do sketches and readings uh, all sorts of different Christmas songs. Yeah. So I got involved in that. And then I ended up directing it and writing some stuff for it as well. And then through the through the Crescent, I did acting. Yeah. I did some amazing shows like Sweeney Todd. Oh, yeah. Who did you and, play? And uh, I played uh, the Beadle, the, the, the policeman, Beadle right. Bamford, which is just an amazing show to be involved in. Great. And then I would say probably my favourite thing was we did a show called uh, Cleo Camping, Emmanuel and Dick, which was based on an imagined semi, semi-fictitious relationship between Kenneth Williams, Sid James and Barbara Windsor right. over the making of certain carry-on films. Because yeah. I've always been obsessed with carry-on films mm. 
and the other people in the show, like the director, who's a friend of mine, is obsessed, and the, the lady who played Barbara Windsor, she's one of my closest friends, she was amazing. So we were just, it was it was a dream role, really. And we had this this caravan on stage, which was the, the, the main yeah. setting for, for all these four films. Great. And it was just amazing, because we, we perfected our impressions. Yeah. We got to dress up in these fantastic costumes from, you know, imitating them from the film. Two weeks of couldn't wait to get to the theatre every yeah. night to do Brilliant. that twice on a, twice on a Sunday. Yeah, and so like the the, the Carry On films, your favourite one because I remember watching all of these when I was a kid in Ireland. When I, on every Sunday they'd be on, yeah. and like yeah. maybe about two or three in the afternoon or something like that. And like I saw all of them. Like there was the one the one that sticks with me the most is the one the Carry On camping is the one that was films yeah. that was always on. That that and Carry On Abroad, right? Joint favourites for me. Great. Yeah, cool. Um, I think for Carry On Abroad was the last one that the original gang were all in together. Mm. So after that one, it was, I think it was made in 1974, I think. Like Charles Hawtrey, for example, didn't appear in another one after that. He was an alcoholic and mm. he was just too unreliable on set and kept mm. demanding star billing. So they just got rid of him. Right. Because they kept saying no no one is bigger than the, the Carry On yeah. films. Yeah. There's no star. The film, the star is the film. Yeah. So that was the last great one. They were all together in all the old gang were there, like Hattie Jakes and Joan Sims, who I think is probably my favourite of the Carry On actors. Yeah, but and Carry On Camping, I think, was the first one I watched when I was little. So that really stuck with me yeah. all those years. I think the first, I just remember the scene in the tent where Terry Scott is having bullets picked out of his backside. Yeah. By Betty Marsden, his wife. It's great. It's great. It's really memorable. Yeah. So it just stuck with me since I was a kid, that, that one. Definitely carry on camping. Yeah. With the acting and stuff, what was your first role as an actor? A proper acting mm. role on stage. I did it at university right. and it was um, a German play, actually, because right. um, I did French and German and it was called Romulus the Great, Romulus mm. de Grosse, yeah. by a Swiss-German playwright called Friedrich Dunmatt, who I'd read a couple of his plays before for A-level and for what he I thought he was great. So yeah. I was in that as, it uh, wasn't like a main role, but I just loved the fact I was in on stage yeah. speaking German the whole time. I didn't understand everything I was saying because mm. I was only in my second year. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely loved it. And then so my first role at the theatre, the Crescent Theatre, was a show called, it was a play called The Hostage, right. written by Brendan Behan. And it's set in Ireland. Yeah. And I played a British soldier who was kidnapped and at the time, I was I don't know, 30, something like that. But I was playing this 19-year-old soldier, so right. that, was, that was quite funny. Yeah. But I was, obviously, I pulled it off. Yeah. And it Act was a strange age. play, but... Um, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 19 to 45. <laughs> playing, age of, uh, playing age of 15 to 19. Thanks. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, but it was great. I, I, I loved it. It was a strange play. I can't yeah. say it was one of my favourite plays mm. to have watched if I was in the audience, but I loved being in it. And there were some yeah. funny bits. We got to sing a bit. Great. Um, and... It was just a nice uh, introduction to the theatre. Did you, did you do your degree in drama? Or no, I did French and German. No, French and German, right. But mm. as as part of that, we studied some drama. I went to Hull University, and the good thing about it was, if you didn't want to do just literature, you could do other options as well. So I did, one of my options was French art and French architecture in society, oh, right. because I was fed up with reading all the time. But yeah. I loved churches and cathedrals. I did like the history of the German language as well, and right. things like that. So yeah. it's yeah, it was great. Wow. Like you've been going for since like before 2004 then, is it? Mm -hmm. I did the comedy course in 2003. So stand-up wise, I started in 04, I think. Yeah. Right. So so like since then, how many full shows have you done, Craig? Uh, I've done not as many as you think. I've done one, two, I think I've done three. Three 
hour-long shows. Well, mm. one of them I shared half an hour each, and then I did two more after that. It took me a long time to, to have the nerve to, to do an hour-long show. Yeah. I just didn't know how people did it. And then I realized that I actually, I write jokes all the time. And yeah. I thought, just put hundreds of jokes together and make a show. Yeah. And eventually that's what I did. Twitter was a major contributory factor because when I started going on Twitter, which mm. was like 2009, I think it was, I didn't really know how it worked. I thought it's a bit like Facebook. And I was putting just things like, oh, off to the gym or yeah. just had a cup of tea. And I thought, mm. who actually cares yeah. that you've just had a cup of tea? Facebook, maybe. That's mm. that kind of Facebook audience. But Twitter, yeah. no. And then I realized, actually, Twitter can be used for, for um, trying out new jokes. Mm. So I started doing that. And it really helped me because you're limited in your um, word count. You've got to make it as precise as possible. And it's kind of changed my style as well. Over the, I've adapted my style to a more kind of, more one-liner than I was before. I used to do more stories. And now I do stories which are made up of very short jokes. And it's thanks to Twitter, really. Yeah. And because of that, I pulled hundreds of jokes together to do my, my hour-long shows. Yeah. yeah. And what was the name of your shows? The first show I did was with my friend Rachel Sandbrooks, who, yeah. who did, we did sketches together, and it was called Look at Craig and Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We couldn't really think of a title, and it was basically a vanity project, really. Great. You know, look at us. Yeah. But we had fun. You know, we, we didn't have massive audiences. We, we were only in Edinburgh for about 10 days, I think, so we weren't there long enough to get reviews and stuff like that, but we just wanted to do it. And then I did, my second show was called Truly Madly Dealy, which was... Four years ago, I think. So mm. I did that in Leicester and the Birmingham Comedy Festival. I can't remember. I did it three or four places. Can't remember. Yeah. And then uh, I thought, okay, now I know I can do it on my own. I started doing another one, which I performed for the first time at Birmingham Comedy Festival two years ago, and that was called Literally the Joke. Yeah. And it's basically about my experiences on Facebook mainly, but also Twitter. When you tell a joke, <laughs> and someone, someone replies to you explaining the joke yeah. and you think i, I know I, I wrote the joke i know it's a joke yeah i, I promise i get it because i wrote it mm. so it's that kind of it's talking about people that reply with things like that yeah. it's not that they don't get the joke they it's like they reply not realizing that you know it's a joke yeah so it's a mix of me doing stand-up and then a few sort of screenshots of replies genuine replies that i got for jokes nice so like your, your... Or, or random ones yeah random ones who it's not that they don't get the joke they don't realize it is a joke that's great you've got a lot to bounce off as well you've got like guys that look um you've deconstructing the joke like this joke i've just told yeah. this joke but this is what happened to some people some yeah. people in this room have probably about to about to get on twitter right now and say this that is great that's it it's exactly yeah don't do not do this yeah. do not do this ruins everything yeah. so, <laughs> that's great so yeah so i did it at birmingham comedy festival uh yeah. October 19 and I thought well it went really well really really well so I started to book myself into other festivals so mm. I did the Leicester Comedy Festival with it which was fantastic and I started I was going to do the Coventry one and then other ones and then lockdown hit and yeah. put paid to put paid to all all gigs really but yeah. I'm still I'm, I'm gonna, definitely going to bring it back and do it because I enjoy doing it so much and now I've got new ones to add in so yeah can't yeah, wait nice 
that's great. So the the one you did with um with Sandra Rachel. Sorry, Rachel Sand. God, I'm on my brain. Sandbrooks. Sandbrook. That's it. Rachel Sandbrooks. That was like <laughs> Sandra Rachel Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> I had a sand. There was sand in there somewhere. Uh, but like, <laughs> but there was a, so Rachel Sandbrooks, right? You did that one, and that was just like your best, I guess, best twenty twenty each, and and went it for was, ten days. Yeah. So this was like two thousand and. 2012 it was actually yeah mm. that's when we went up so nine nine years ago wow. eight, nine years ago that's and it was our yeah our best half an hour each and nice. we had a couple of guests doing like five minute slots as well which was Brilliant. fab what room did you, were you in it was at chow roma which was oh, a basement yeah. of that's a really a nice good room italian downstairs. restaurant great room really good room mm. yeah, yeah and great really uh, gelato as well upstairs right and pizza and the whole lot it was yeah, yeah. great very good and um, so like you had that what time was your show it was seven o'clock, seven oh, till eight, which was a good gift. time. So we got quite nice audiences. Yeah, it depends on the weather as well. So yeah. rainy days, we got very good audiences. Sunny days, eh, handful. But we, we just enjoyed ourselves mm. and whoever our guest was also enjoyed themselves as well. So yeah, yeah, we loved it. That's a great little room. It's like, and you have the, that, that slot is a, a perfect slot. And, and the 10 mm. days, you went up for 10 days, right? I mean, that is, that's the- For 10 days, yeah. yeah. That's a perfect time, really. You're not, you're just like, oh, I had a great time. Then bye, everyone. And you're not staying there in the doldrums yeah. and the sadness at the end. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been to Edinburgh three or four times now, but I've never done the full month, partly because I, I just think it would drive me mad. Yeah. Because it, it's it's amazing. It's amazing being at the Edinburgh Festival, especially mm. if you're part of it, but it can also be really lonely. Yeah. And if something hasn't gone well and you're on your own reflecting about it, it can be... Uh, soul destroying you know mm. uh, luckily that that hasn't really happened to me but i know other people that it has happened to so i was happy just to go up so every time i've been up it's been for a, a week or 10 days great that's and, perfect and that's enough for me that's perfect yeah. amount of time steve day said just the first two weeks 10 days but essentially yeah best to go because otherwise you know there's a bit there's a buzz there all the reviews are done in the first mm. that, that, that's those first two couple, couple of weeks the rest is just yeah. sheer basically uh masochism yeah, I imagine you get to a point where you think, okay, I'm over the I'm over the hill now. Let's just yeah. go for it. Mm. I'm, we're over the hump. Let's just just keep our heads down. And just get to the end of it. Yeah. Which you, you shouldn't feel like that. No, you should you should feel you should feel fresh all the time. I'm sure some people do, but I just felt it's a long it's a month in the same venue for a month. Yeah, wondering will I get an audience? Although, you know, because generally I did it on the free fringe, so it works out the cheapest possible That's way. Right. So you don't know if you're going to get an audience or not. That's true. That's true. And you stayed in the. You stayed in the tent and in the in the um, in the the campsite of out of town. It's the campsite that's that's about. Um, it feels like about seventy five miles ahead of the city centre. <laughs> it's probably only about four or five. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that bus ride into Edinburgh used to take forever. Yeah. Um, and I to this day I still couldn't tell you exactly where it is. I used to just get on that bus, yeah. go into Edinburgh, and then come home in the bus or in a taxi if I'd been out drinking. Yeah. But yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly where. The, where the campsite was I, I thought it's the cheapest way that's right and when i shared a tent with rachel it mm. was quite cheap but then when i went on my own in my tent yeah it, it was really expensive it's like 200 quid for a week in a campsite what? on your own and i thought yeah, i'm taking my own accommodation with me yeah, yeah. it's still 200 quid a week how and then another time i went up i was seeing someone who actually his sister lived in edinburgh so we stayed at her house so amazing. that was that was good amazing yeah. it's great 200 quid for a tent, a sleeping a tent a week. I mean, I know, I know it's crazy. I wonder what they did this year, the last couple, like, well, year, well, the last year, which is gone. I wonder how they uh, survived, yeah. huh? I don't know. 
a suit. I don't know. Just and a lot of people are not just the yeah the festival people who have lost a lot of money because mm. a lot of people that live there flee the city in, yeah. in August and rent their houses out. Yeah. So they will have lost out as well. To pay their mortgage for the year, isn't it? <laughs> to pay them. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I feel sorry for them. I'm no, not at all. I'm my tiny violin out for them. But... <laughs> <laughs> little, the little tiny set of bagpipes. <laughs> yeah. That's it. No oh, man. Oh, well, never mind. They can uh, they can so- suffer that for a one month at least. Do names of the, the so that was good. Uh, was it the Truly Mad, Madly Dealy? Right? Truly Madly Dealy, yeah. yeah. And that I, was I was trying like, to come up with... That was just pure stand-up, yeah. and uh, I, I was trying to think of obviously half the battle of writing a show is coming up with a, a name for the show, yeah. which I thought had to be a pun. It had yeah. to be a plan yeah. words yeah. of your name. I realised now it doesn't, but then I thought I have to do it. So I, I asked around on Twitter. I did like a Twitter poll. So nice. I had things went about like I, ideally, dealy bopper stuff like that, yeah. you know. And then I went to visit um, my friend Sandra Rach Brooks, yeah. and her husband said, "What about truly madly dealy?" And I yeah. thought. Actually, that's one that, I, yeah, that, I like it. It came into my mind at the beginning of thinking of names. I thought, no, I just dismissed it. And the, when, he, when he said it, I thought, actually, yeah, that that is a really good title. Yeah. yeah. So I kept that. Nice. Like that was just your best stand-up. There's no theme, just having like having fun with it and just, you know, do an hour of Yeah, there wasn't stand-up. a theme. It was just, Great. yeah. And uh, I, I've made that clear, you know, right at the beginning of the show. I said, there's no theme. It's just me telling jokes. Um, yeah. So was it the same, um, the same venue? So I did that in Edinburgh. I did it in Birmingham yeah. and I did it at Leicester. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of the really nice uh, bar venue in Leicester. Cookie? Next to, it's like a cocktail bar. Oh. oh. Manhattan. 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 great room it. down there. It's yeah. brilliant. So I did that. I did my show there. I also did it in Birmingham at a venue called Cherry Reds. Yeah. Which was fantastic because it was, it was packed out. Excellent. But I didn't do it anywhere else after that, I don't think. But then the one I did about the um, literally the joke I yeah. did that at the Victoria pub in Birmingham which has got a fantastic room upstairs and Damn. I did that in Manhattan 34 as well in Leicester nice. which was great again it was like sold out so I was so happy yeah, yeah. and then on, I was starting to look at other venues and then lockdown hit so yeah. I just gave up took the wind out the sails that's it man yeah slightly yeah like I ask this everyone I have on the show like with when you like because you're like high energy and likeable and just like just you know kind of the the audience is like kind of like uh, warm to you straight away generally isn't it like you know you're you're really high energy and just fun and just you know basically down to earth but as a as a comic right this is you could be any I've had this question a few times like Sean Mio right you know Sean Mio mm-hmm. yeah he he's like a curmudgeon you know and like just you know and just yeah. like I, I kind of he he sees himself when he goes on stage as like a uh, a gun for hire. So he goes around yeah. the country and like, you know, just like a, like a wild west Ronin, if you like. Um, do you have any like kind of you know, model I, model that you potentially see? Because not, not everyone sees themselves as like some sort of archetype of any kind, but they just have them themselves that are exaggerated. But do you, did you ever have one we started gigging? You're like, I feel like I'm this. I grew up watching a lot of, watching a lot of stand-up mm. and my favourite stand-ups tended to be female. So Victoria Wood, uh, obviously, French and Saunders, Joe Brand, yeah. Joe Rivers, mm. and I, I just thought there was a particular way that they would tell jokes that a lot of the male comedians just couldn't do. Yeah, they just couldn't get away with it. So uh, it was like turns of phrase, and not not the subject matter, but mm. but the turns of phrase, and they did think it was more. I felt it was more intelligent i suppose but that was me you know as, as a kid i thought mm. it, it really sort of spoke to me 
so I suppose when I've written stuff, I've had those female voices in my head. And I suppose also uh, as a gay man, my perspective is different mm. to a, a straight male comedian. Mm. And I suppose I would, my influence would be more of a, a female, uh, I would have more of a female influence, I think. Um, so I, I don't particularly have a model, right. but I suppose my biggest influences were people like um, Victoria Wood. Yeah. Joe Brand, I, I saw her at university. When I was at university, she did a live gig yeah. at Student Union and she just blew me away. I, I, I thought she was amazing. I'd never seen anything like it. Mm. And Julian Clary as well. When yeah. I first saw him on Saturday Night Live as his character, Joe Collie's fan club, that was his act with Fanny the Wonder Dog. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I thought this this is what I want to see on TV. Great, because it was just so out of the ordinary. It wasn't just you know getting up telling jokes. It was observations with a punchline mm. usually, but also just the observations and the way that he'd say things just really tickled me. Nice. Can you condense that into what you would like see yourself as then? Just you, if you could. I suppose. Do you mean like what, what my style is? Yeah, if you could. I mean, that's a hard yeah. question. Well, I suppose dis- my, no, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it's hard because my style has changed. As I think I said earlier, I'm, I used to tell mm. more stories and then it's developed now. It's more one-liners within stories. So I, I would say it's anecdotal, observational, quick-fire, ab- observational anecdotes. Yeah. There. there Great. Great. I know it's hard. It's hard for anyone to go, well, actually, I'm like this, you know, without disappearing up your arse yeah, completely, isn't it? because when I say one-liners, <laughs> I think, yeah, when I think of one-liner, I think of people like Gary Delaney and yeah. Stuart Francis, yeah. and there's no way I'm like them, but they are one-liner comedians. Mm. And when I think of storytelling, I'm not a great storyteller, like proper narrative stories, naturally. Mm. So I'm not like that, but my set contains stories made up of small quick jokes yeah so it, it is hard to define yourself really not yeah. people I, I don't like sort of looking at myself no. in too much detail a lot of people <laughs> don't like to sort of, um you know study themselves to that extent yeah. but I, I suppose that's what it would be yeah it's hard isn't but it so when, when a, when a, yeah. um, a promoter goes so what's your style oh god damn it oh god, i gotta write oh, this email god. now like you know i know it's when they say when you get booked for a gig and they say can you write us a little bio about yeah. yourself and i think no can't that's it so it ends up just being like three quotes that's yeah. it yeah here's what <laughs> a stand up here's some quotes there you <laughs> yeah. go here's a here's a video you decide okay well okay right you you're incredibly likable on stage and you're high energy it like so it kind of can get you out of a lot of situations right when you like a gig doesn't go well can you tell us about a gig that like you can just remember that every time you think of it you just go oh my god that is horrible oh yeah a couple yeah so not long after i'd started uh, doing comedy and traveling about. I did a gig at a pub in Coventry. Mm. And at the last minute, they changed the venue. And up until then, I'd had really good open spot gig. I was an open spot. So I was just doing like 10 minutes in the middle, unpaid mm. stuff. And I was having really good gigs and I was getting really good reviews as well. And then I did this gig in Coventry and it's no disrespect to Coventry. It was, they changed the gig at the last minute, uh, changed the venue, sorry, to a smaller pub. And so the audience, it was, it was a sellout gig, but the audience couldn't fit into the new pub. So mm. some of them were in, in the pub and some of them were in the beer garden. Mm. And so the acts were having to walk in the pub and into the beer garden, back into the pub. Yeah. And it just threw me. And I don't know what it was, whether it affected my energy or what. I, mm. I just wasn't very funny. I, I know I wasn't. And the audience were polite, 
Mm. Um, and I just thought, okay, I'll just get through this. Yeah. And then I saw a review of the night on BBC, BBC Warwickshire, I think, uh, mm. on the website. It said Craig Dealey was the middle act. Uh, he was fresh out of comedy college, mm. but judging by his act, he skipped more lectures than he went to. Oh, God damn it. And I, it just, it just <laughs> crushed me. I felt like a deflated, inflatable doll. Yeah, you know what I hate. Right? You know what I hate. I hate that fact that like the the viewer is trying to be funny after you not being funny. I don't like mm. I, like just be be factual. Don't try and be funny with it and observe it. Yeah. Don't don't. They're just jealous. Winter. They're yeah. just jealous. That's it. Bitter failed <laughs> comics writing reviews. Yeah. So that that one's that's the one that sticks out because it was mm. my first bad experience to be on stage. I'm lucky in that I've never really been. Um, I've never had a gig where I've had to cut it short because people hate me so much yeah. or because it's so, you know, the audience is so awful or, you know, fights break out. Yeah. I'm lucky that I've never, I don't think, unless I did and I've blanked it out because yeah. it would trigger me. But yeah. um, I, I don't remember having one that was so bad that um, it makes me, uh, you know, it brings back terrible, terrible memories. So I, I, I think I'm lucky that I've got away with that. Right. I've had quiet gigs. I've had gigs mm. where the audience just didn't like me for some reason. Right. Um, but everyone does. But yeah. yeah, I'm lucky that I've never had absolute disasters apart yeah. from that. I mean, I get, I've got one which is I did uh, the Laughter Lounge in Dublin years and years ago when uh, I had like done thirty gigs and I was fucking shit. And um, I walked up, to, I walked up the stage uh, to, to applause. Did my, five minutes, which felt like like to silence, which felt like about five hours. You know what I mean? And it was just like, oh my! I yeah, got yeah. through it and then came off, and they didn't even applaud me off. <laughs> Oh god! <laughs> they were like, and then it went. And then I was like, oh man, fuck! And I, I, I had to stay in Galway that night as well. And the owner of the uh, Galway Laughter Lounge, he gave me a. You get a free T-shirt when you do it. And uh, yeah. the, the T-shirt was extra large. I'm like a medium, like at most, you know. <laughs> I thought it was just a metaphor for how far I had to grow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I still have the T-shirt as well. I, you know, still doesn't fit me. God damn it! It's extra, extra. Large. I'm like, I've got to, have to put an awful lot of weight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> still time lockdown, isn't it? Lockdown. This is true. Still this time. is true. I've got a good excuse. You know, what's the thing that you've had to overcome the most to get good at comedy? I think. Um, Learning to go more with your instinct. Yeah, learning to be a bit more fearless mm. um, and just going with your gut reaction for things. So, for example, if somebody says something to you on stage, and I'm not saying heckling, but if they join in, because yeah. um, some heckles are good, mm. you know, it, they think they're helping, that can be annoying. But if somebody says something, sometimes it's okay to acknowledge it and just respond yeah. according to what your your gut says. Sometimes it's best to ignore it. If it's someone that's, thinks they should be on the stage or, you know, their mates have put them up to it and mm. they're, they're just trying to be disruptive, then don't engage. But if it's someone that genuinely, genuinely says something, I've learned to not be scared of just answering. And I think that comes from, I, I, I do improv as well. I've been doing improv oh. for the last sort of nine, 10 years. Great. And I started doing improv because I thought it would make me, I thought it would make me a really hilarious compare. Yeah. Um, it didn't, oh. it, but it, it did teach me just to, not to plan things, really. Yeah. Just just go with the moment. And often that can be the funniest. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> funniest thing. I was, <laughs> do you know what? I was waiting for a thing at the end there. I was like, just funniest. And I was like, oh, okay. 
Okay. It's so like, you can like do. you're just like you know. Uh, I don't know why you, I don't expect the word to end like I expect. I mean, I planned for that oh, word yeah. to end that sentence to end at thing. I'm so yeah. sorry. Uh, look, the thing is right. No, that's my fault. <laughs> it's no, it's totally my fault for planning it. You see, improv, right? I love improv, right? It's great. You've been doing it. You, I would. I did level one and two a couple of years ago, and do you know what? It really mm-hmm. teleported me in terms of confidence on stage. Yeah, like that. As you say, you don't have to be. You don't. You just got to be, and you're funny. You're in that moment. They're they're primed, you know. And you're especially like yeah, emceeing uh, mode and all that. But it's like so you're you've yeah. done all that. You know that's amazing. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing that you learn if you, if you're a stand up and you do improv and mm. you do it properly, one thing you learn is don't try and make gags all the time. That's what I did. I started just trying to make gags, and it's because it blocks what's going on on yeah. stage. So somebody yeah. might say something to you, you know. I've got a gun and you make a joke it's not a gun blah 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 yeah. that's such a block where can they go after yeah. that you're just trying to get a cheap laugh and yeah. then you've sport it now so that's it bring them with you isn't you it you have to learn how to stop doing you have to learn to stop doing that that's it um, yeah and sometimes it, it's funny just to go on the mo- just go with the moment just yeah. go with the flow yeah. it's it's the whole it's the whole sort of yes and yeah. uh, ethos isn't it of, yeah. of improv so when I started doing it, it was all short form stuff like games, you know, like whose line is it anyway style games, mm. which I loved doing. And then eventually some of us uh, joined a different group. We formed a different group and we started doing long form yeah. stuff. So we do full length shows now. So we've done in the past, we've done a musical, we've done um, murder mysteries, mm. we've done a Sherlock Holmes, we've done uh, an absolutely fabulous. Yeah. And now we concentrate mainly now on uh, murder mysteries, comedy so, made up murder mysteries. So who's that with? So we're called Foghorn Unscripted. Foghorn Unscripted, right. We're based okay. in Birmingham. Yeah, right. yeah. And it, the, we've kind of come up with this murder mystery format right. ourselves, which works really well. Because the audience don't know what, they don't know what to expect. They, yeah. they join in, but we, we, none of us in the group are fans of embarrassing the audience. So we don't right. get them on stage. We don't put anyone on the spot. Mm. Any sort of shout out that they have to do, they do it as a group. We don't make people do it individually right. or we get them to write stuff down. So there's no threat of them being singled out. Right. It's really relaxed. And we, we make, make them know that at the beginning of the show that no one's going to be picked out of the audience or yeah. humiliated or, you know, we're not going to make them, you know, kiss sure. anyone or <laughs> take their clothes totally. off, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And we're a more mature group. We're, 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 we're older than a lot of the sort of improv groups that are tend to be the high energy sort of chest bumping, mm-hmm. high fiving, game playing yeah. groups that start out. We've done that. We did it. We did it years and years and years ago. And now we've sort of grown out of that. We're all more mature and we prefer the older. We get older audiences as well yeah. because right. of the nature of the stuff that we do. Murder Mysteries appeals to an older audience. It's like Cluedo, isn't it? It's like Cluedo. It's like, oh, live yeah. Cluedo. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Foghorn and, and what's that, Foghorn? Foghorn Unscripted. Foghorn Unscripted, brilliant. Have you managed to do any of those? Does it transfer to online uh, medium? Yeah, yes, it can do. Yeah, again, mm. it's 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 finding the balance between what what we say is you can steal the scene, but don't steal the show. Mm. So you can have your moment in a scene, yeah. and we all have. We've all got our own strengths, and sometimes it's okay to to make jokes as long as you don't block the action. You don't stop what other people are doing yeah. you don't ruin the story it's okay to go go with the story and make jokes about it so yeah, yeah. as long as you know how to keep the balance there's nothing wrong with doing that brilliant yeah have you tried to launch it online or anything like that or just kind of pulled it in just we we have done bits and bobs online mm. uh, over the years we find that 
live works best for what we do. We were in the process of trying a, a new sort of radio improv yeah. format yeah. that we did a bit of practice on and we really enjoyed it and we thought it definitely had legs. And then again, because of lockdown, we weren't allowed to go to each other's houses. Yeah, so that's on hold. Right. But that's something that we really want to get back into because I don't think anyone's doing anything like it at the moment. I've never heard anything like it in a audio format. So we're, right. we're really excited about Great. getting back and doing that. That's it. Like I mean, I've seen a lot of game shows uh, uh, like happen at the moment and it's really fun to just take part in them. But there needs to be some something that hooks the audience up to bring them back because it's great to have all these comics and performers involved in this but they once they've done it they yeah. won't watch it again so it's like they're not they're you know you're just playing to yourselves aren't you but if you've got as you mm. say like something yeah. that the audience can just like give suggestions and be a part of and they can even be part of a show again without destroying them <laughs> you know that, yeah. that's, that's a perfect exactly thing. yeah yeah and you can be a part of a show without being in it your yeah. if your suggestion is used you feel that you're invested in that show because you help shape it brilliant that's right that's great and uh, yeah I mean and then they'll, they'll tell their friends and you know it's just who, who wants to not, not yeah. play brilliant that's brilliant yeah. so Falkhorn Unscripted yeah brilliant yeah. Yeah. we've got okay. a website nice okay you started off but making at the, at the beginning of lockdown what are you what are you into now are you just like just teaching you're just teaching now or is there something else I'm doing you... a bit of teaching during the day yeah uh, not every day but I, you know I need to do more because I need a bit more money coming yeah. in because I've got mortgage to pay yeah, yeah. but I'm doing a bit of teaching and when I'm not doing that, I'm trying to do creative things. So I'm writing my podcast at the moment. Yeah. So I mentioned that earlier, Trish yeah. of the Day. Trish I'm the just day. finishing writing episode six. It goes out every Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so I've got to really step up and finish writing episode Great. six. So I have to record it as well and I'll do all the voices again. Yeah. Uh, so it just takes ages to edit it okay. together. Okay. So that's taking a lot of my time. I'm sort of wondering whether to carry it on after episode six, whether to end the series there and come back later with series two, because I've got an idea for another podcast that I really want to do cool. based on Kenneth Williams, but I don't want to give too much away because, again, I think it's quite an original idea. Yeah. Okay, cool. No worries. I want, have you been writing any sitcoms as well? And Have you written a sitcom or anything like that to, or on spec? I, I mean, it's something I've thought about doing and I've got together with a couple of friends, uh, Karen Bailey, who's a stand-up comedian, yeah. and uh, Claire Wetton, who's a comedy writer. She mm. works on Horrible Histories. Yeah. Um, we've met a couple of times over the years to try and do stuff. We've never seen it through, though, for various reasons. Right. Either, you know, we've had other commitments. Yeah, of course. Or, but again, we've got something there that we can work on if we all have time to get together and do it. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's hard. I think lockdown one for me, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to write write a sitcom. I, got, I found a writing partner. I said, right, we'll do it. We did it over WhatsApp. Got it, got it together. And managed to bang it out. And I was like, okay, right, I need a break now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, and lockdown yeah. number two happened. I was like, okay, well, I didn't need that yeah. much of a break. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So, I yeah. think it's hard, it's hard to work with other people as well, I, oh. I think. Yeah. Um, some people do it really easily. Mm. And I'm really good friends with uh, Karen and, and Claire. But sometimes it's it's hard to... It's hard to, to find the, the gel, the, the, the meeting points yeah. uh, in your, your ideas. Yeah. Um, they're both amazing writers and comedians in their own right. And we really want to do something together, but it's finding the, uh, what the word is, finding the, the fit. The common ground, I guess, isn't it? We can all build on. Yeah. Luckily, the writing partner I had was, um, you know, I write the jokes, he writes the story, I just punch up the story yeah. and make it make sense. You yeah. know, like the more mm. of a clear straight to the, the, you know, not straight totally to the punch, but like more of a clear route. Otherwise, you know, he's so surreal, this guy. It's great. Mm. Mm. Um, so like you're so you'll be hopefully when the everything thaws it's going to you're going to be taking around uh, Craig Dealey's show literally the joke yeah 
I would, I, I would love to do that. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I would. I, 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 I'm once I know things are going to start easing, I'm going to start looking at venues and right. try and take my show on the road and and just get back to just gigging generally. Yeah. I mean, before just before lockdown hit, I'd been doing, um, I was doing tour support for Paul Sinner. Oh, nice. Which was amazing. Yeah. It was fantastic shows. Yeah. There were all sort of sellout shows, and yeah. then I was being booked for more, and yeah. then lockdown hit last March, and they all just came to an end. Uh, well, I, I, well, I'm sure they'll pop up again when it thaws, man. I mean, look, that that sounds like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you is is that for you in your own personal development? Do you think that's like yeah. you're a high? That's the highest high. Yeah, that's absolutely. brilliant, man. Yeah, that's absolutely, brilliely. yeah. Definitely, yeah, yeah. That's it great. was. It really felt like a, a step up to the next level. It was, yeah, fantastic. Because I mean, he he's an amazing. His show was amazing. Yeah. He's a lovely guy, and we just gigged together about the year before last. Now we gigged together. I compared that was I compared, or I, I think I opened one of his warm up tour shows before yeah. he took it on the road at my friend Karen Bailey's gig in yeah. Birmingham. And then he saw me and then asked if I wanted to do tour support for him. And uh, yeah, so we did a handful of shows together and then more were being booked in and then we had to stop. Yeah. But it was such an amazing experience. Really brilliant experience. Well, Craig, well, I hope well, it all, when all starts up again, the luck continues, man. So we can, where we can, we can find you on YouTube with, with Trisha? Uh, on YouTube, my channel is just called Craig Dealey. Craig Dealey. And then I, I keep meaning to make myself a website, but I'd never get around to it. Yeah. But you can find me on Twitter at Craigito. So that's where I try all my jokes out and that's where I plug my gigs. Yeah. So that's probably the best place to find me until right. I get around. I used to have a website because I, I don't know how to do it. So uh, my friend's boyfriend did it for me and he hosted it for free because he that was what his job was. And then yeah. they split up. So uh-huh. that little freebie ended, unfortunately. Awkward. Selfish of him. But uh, yeah. yeah, and I never got around to doing my own website. So Twitter's probably the best place to find me and okay, YouTube. Brilliant. And like you got post all your podcasts there as well and everything. Yeah, my podcast, Trisha Day. you can find it on Apple, on Podbean, on Amazon, Spotify, all all the all the cool places, CFAX, all the cool places. Yeah. <laughs> Teletext, that's great. That's good. Yeah, it make, it's a bit yeah. annoying on there. Yeah, you can read the whole transcribed <laughs> interviews. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, or transcribed uh, sketches, brilliant. That's great. A lot easier, isn't it, typed out? You don't have to do any of the voices or nothing. <laughs> Just, Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Craig, well, thanks for spending an hour and a bit with me on the show, man. And I Pleasure. hope that every, the luck continues after the thaw and you're back on the road Cheers. with Paul Sinner, man. That's brilliant. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And that was episode 104 with Craig Dealey. Craig's on Twitter, at Craig Ito. He also has his own YouTube channel, his own podcast called Trish of the Day. And he's also migrated that podcast character, Trish, to YouTube, where he does sketches. And he does all the characters himself. I subscribe to that. I think season two is coming out very soon. And he also tours with an improv group called Foghorn Unscripted. Now, you can see all the dates and the live appearances on the website, which is www.foghornunscripted.com, where they do improvised murder mysteries. And no one knows who's done it, so it just sounds like an awful lot of fun. So details, uh, dates, places, all on the website, www.foghornunscripted.com. But that's it for this episode of the Comedy Effect podcast. If you like this podcast and you want to donate, you can go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast and donate as much as you feel this podcast is worth. And if you can't donate, that's okay. Everyone's strapped at the moment. 
just tell your friends about your favorite episode because it tells people where we are and what we're up to. You can follow me on Twitter at Winter Dominus. You can follow this podcast. We're on Facebook. Go like the page. Go join the group. But that's all I'm going to say for this episode. We'll see you in December for episode 105 with the excellent Damien Kingsley. Until then, get your presents wrapped. Get ready for Christmas. Wrap up warm. Get loads of night nurse, day nurse in. We'll see you at the end of December.